Welcome to the Halakha Hour here on JRoot Radio. I'm sorry to interrupt that song. I actually wanted to listen to it myself, but um, we're running out of time. we got to start already. So let's begin. Today's class, today's class is, we are in the middle of the three weeks, and we speak usually about the subjects of the three weeks. So, today's class will be about the Halakhot, as we'll explain, of the three weeks. Before we begin, let's give you the ways to listen to us, jrootradio.com or the JRoot Radio Pro app. I believe there's a new app. You can also call in to listen. The number is 718-506-9099. We're getting a lot of text messages. How do we listen? And um, I guess if you won't be able to hear me because you don't know how to listen. Okay, anyway, 718-506-9099. That's a number. Spread it to everybody. That's where you call in. Just listen to the Halakha or whatever you like to listen. The numbers to call in, we have somebody to answer the questions. That means he's going to pick up your phone calls and he'll probably take down your question and then it'll be passed down to me, passed to me and I'll be able to answer it if we're not going to get up to it. The number is 718-683-5858 or you can text in your questions 347-927-8398. I'm going to repeat the text number one more time. You know why? One is because you, if you need to text us in order to ask a question. Number two is, if you want to text us in order to keep the radio station alive. You know, there's a halakha that says that when you see another Jew going down, you're supposed to help support him before he actually falls. Rashi explains, because imagine a person who's about to fall. He's about to fall, and you run, he needs support. So much easier to support a person on the way down before he actually fell. Once he falls, then you have to pick him up. Picking him up is much harder. Says Rashid, it's the same thing also. If a, when it comes to financially supporting somebody else, a person who's on his way down, support him now, the Torah obligates, before he actually gets on the floor, because once he gets on the floor, it'll be much, much more difficult. And that's, unfortunately, it's, you know, it's very serious. You know, we speak about always, everybody always needs money. Every Torah institution in the world needs money. There's no such a thing, you know, that any Torah institution has all the money, at least not until we have the Beit HaMikdash. So, um, you always hear that there's always an appeal for money, but really radio, the, the J Root Radio, which we've come to love and has become part of our family, part of us for the last couple of years, is really, unfortunately, it's in a very, very, very dire situation. We're um, hanging by threads to our lives, and we need your support. Unfortunately, it's falling on a few people, and uh, even those people are already, you know, the funds are just running out, so... Anything could help. Yes, anything could help. A few dollars here and there. You might think, oh, what's it going to do? It does. Because your few dollars and your few dollars, and we have down and up thousands of listeners, tens of thousands of listeners. So it's a few dollars from a few from tens of thousands of listeners will go a long way. It will keep us up, keep us on. True, we're not on the FM. Um, <clears throat> we're not on, you know, everywhere. But that's the idea. We're, we're, we're trying to build it more so we could be available to everybody and everywhere. So please, Three four seven nine two seven eight three nine eight. You know that we. I usually don't make any appeals on the radio. That's not uh, the place for it. It's a halakha hour, especially that we're late. But if we want the halakha hour, if we want, uh, let's grow together with Mordechai Weinberger, or if we want Rabbi Tahan, or if we want whatever we want that you know Baruch Hashem that the radio provides and much more, we need to get together and Bezat Hashem support this wonderful station organization. And Razat Hashem, we should see Yeshuad Vene Hamod Razat Hashem on a personal level, of course, on a Klal level, of course, with the ultimate Yeshua, with the building of the Beit HaMikdash. Okay, now let's get to our class. Our class, Razat Hashem, will be on the Halachot of the three weeks, including everything all the way up to Tisha B'Av, but it's a two-part series. So let's begin, first of all, with the times and dates for this year, Tafshin Ein Zayin, 2017. We're already in the middle of the three weeks, but we're going to give you the dates anyway when they started in case you just woke up. The Shabbat Sabbat Tammuz, which began the weeks of Ben HaMetzarim, the three weeks of Ben HaMetzarim, began last Tuesday, July 11th, 7-11. Yeah, that's a good way to remember it. Rosh Chodesh Av, which means we begin the new part of the three weeks, which is the nine days, that will begin this Sunday night, July 23rd, and of course, July 24th is Monday. That's going to be Rosh Chodesh Av. It's also the outside of Aharon HaKohen. The Shavua Shehalbo, which is the week of the Shabbat Av, 
is going to be Motsa'i Shabbat, July 29th. That's not this Shabbat, but a week from this Shabbat. And then Arif Tishabiyab, which has its own halakhot, and obviously the night of Tishabiyab will be Monday night, Monday and Monday night, that is. And Tishabiyab will be on Tuesday, July, excuse me, August 1st. So which means that the fast begins already from July 31st in the evening. What time does the fast start? That's probably the most common and important question everyone wants to know. It starts Shekiah's 8.12. You don't have to add on to that. But if you want to be mahmir on yourself or your family because you're scared, you're going to run into the fast, so fine. You can be mahmir. But 8.12 is sunset when the fast begins. Hatsot Hayyom, the next day, which is already, we don't have to sit on the floor anymore. That is going to be around 1 o'clock, 1 p.m., 101 to be exact. And the fast is over. We give us a time span between 40 to 50 minutes. Anybody who wants to be mahmir, anybody who needs to be mekel, you should ask before you're limit yourselves. This is the times that we suggest. 40 to 50 minutes after Shikawa. What time is that? 8.52, between 8.52-92 is the recommended fast to be over. Not 40 minutes after the time that we've given. The fast 8.12 is Shekiah, so 40 to 50 minutes comes up between 8.52 to about 9.02. That's a recommended time. Now, let's give an introduction to these halachot. We have the following sets of halachot. There are six groups when it comes to dealing with these three weeks. Number one is the halachot that run throughout the three weeks. Number two are the halachot of the nine days that's that begins obviously from Rosh Chodesh Av. Number three are the halachot in that you know in Shabu Shehalbo. Number four are the halachot of Erev Tishabe Av, the eve of Tishabe Av. Number five are the halachot of Tishabe Av. That's probably the biggest category. And final category, category number six is the halachot of Asada Av, the tenth of Av. Because we only have two halachot and we're speaking in the middle of the three weeks, so therefore we are not going to cover the halachot of the three weeks. Those are basically, maybe if we have time, we'll just quickly go over them. But Bazat Hashem, hopefully, I mean, it's a lot. So therefore, we are planning to cover the other categories, the two categories, the category number two and three, and that is the halachot of the nine days, as well as the halachot of Shabua Shehalbo. The difference between covering and reviewing is as follows. When we talk about the three weeks, we're just going to mention very quickly what the, what what's Asur, and when we come to the halachot of Shavua Shahalbo and the halachot of the nine days, we'll get more into detail and in explaining the halachot in different scenarios. Bazat Hashem, the next class we hope to cover the other three categories, and that is the halachot of Erev Tishabiav, the halachot of Tishabiav itself, and finally the halachot of Asiri Be'av. The style that will run throughout the most of the class will be in the following way. Basically, each category that we're going to discuss, we're going to discuss it in three parts. Number one is things that everyone is obligated in. Applies, that means to all Aidot, Sefaradim, Ashkenazim. In general, there's always Yotzev Nakla, but in general, the mainstream, most of the Jewish people applies to. Number two is things that are, there is a Haluk, there is a difference in Minhagim. That means we're, Ashkenazim maybe will be more mahmir, Sfaradim a little bit more mekil on these things. And finally, things are humrot. We don't find so much humrot really in the nine days. It's more like it's a minhag. Either you have the such a minhag or you don't have such a minhag. You want to be mahmir. Even though it's not your minhag, you could be mahmir. That's not a problem. So, but when there are humrot, we'll try to mention them. We don't, we, we will review very quickly first the halakhot of Yudzain that began already from Yudzain Tammuz. We don't say Shehayanu except if it's necessary during Shabbat. Unless it's necessary, then we do it on Shabbat. We do not listen to music. We do not dance. We, and again, there are exceptions, but we're just reviewing very, very quickly. We also, um, what's it called? Don't make weddings. And Chutza is for sure. Everybody's Faradim and Ashkenazim. We don't make weddings. Even things where Halakha might be a little bit more lenient than Minhag is that we don't bring music even to Pidyon Habin and Brit Mila. Even though, again, I know Poskim mentioned that it'll be Mutar, but Lema'ase, you look around and you see the Minhag is not that way. Um, the Ashkenazim already have began to stop taking haircuts and to stop shaving in these three weeks. Sfaradim, we'll talk about them a little bit later on. And there's also the minhag of the mikubalim to sit 
down and by after Hatsot Hayom, around 1 p.m., after 1 p.m., and to say Tikkun Rahil. That is basically, in short, the customs that have began from the three weeks already. But as I said, we'll discuss today the halachot that begin from Rosh Chodesh Ab. We find that there are four things that are asur beginning Rosh Chodesh Av. The Mishnah Masechet Ta'anit says, Mishinichnas Av Mema'atin Bismha. Once the month of Av comes in, then we have to already cut down on the happiness. What does it mean, Simha? So, although the Gemara over there discusses what Simha is, and you'll see from the four things that we're going to speak about, what the, you know, that will fit in in Simha, but the four things are Asur, whether it's because of Simha or not, we'll mention it. The four things that we will discuss in the following order are eating meat and drinking wine. Number two is preparing preparations for weddings and Simhaot. Number three is building or renovating homes. Number four is buying or wearing new clothing. I don't want to say the word wearing. Let's put it more like making new clothing and wearing them. Let's begin with the first thing, which is something that everybody, it's applicable to everybody. And that is not to eat meat or drink wine. What's the source of not to eat meat and to drink wine? So Beta Mikdash got destroyed, right? And since it got destroyed, there's no Mizbayah. The Mishnah says that the Isur of eating meat and drinking wine only applies in Saudat HaMafsekit, which means it's directly the meal right before we go into the fast. That's where the Isur applies, Minhaddin. However, the Minhag by most Kladit is not that way. Maran brings already the Saman Nohek from the beginning of the three weeks not to eat meat or drink wine. However, most, most people are noheg from Rosh Chodesh Av. The, I stress the word noheg. That means they have the custom. Because we'll see when it's necessary when a person could be lenient on this custom. In any case, this, since the Mizbeah has not run, since Mizbeah has been destroyed, and the Mizbeah we used to offer the animals, and we also, with every korban, that was, with every sacrifice that was of an animal, we also brought wine, which was poured on top of the Mizbayah. So therefore, we also, the Mizbayah is not eating meat and drinking wine. We also do not eat meat and drink wine. This is the source of the Minhag. The Temanim have the, this Minhag like the Gemara says, which means, up to Sudatam of Sekhet, they'll eat meat and drink wine. And there are different Minhagim, um, the Ashkenazim, let's go, you know, basically the more stringent to less stringent. The Ashkenazim have a minhag that they begin from Rosh Chodesh Av, beginning the night of Rosh Chodesh Av, they already will stop eating meat or drinking wine. Sfaradim have a minhag that on Rosh Chodesh itself, they'll eat meat. They'll be able to drink wine. They could, they don't have to, but they could. But... Already on the second, that means once the first Rosh Chodesh is over, then the Minhag applies. We don't eat meat, we don't drink wine. Sfaradim don't eat meat, they drink wine. Even amongst the Sfaradim, Nahar Mitzrayim, which is the Egyptian Minhag till today, the Yotzim Mitzrayim. Yes, I know we're all Yotzim Mitzrayim. I'm talking about specifically the people actually who just left Egypt uh, within the last hundred years, or they think they came from Egypt. In any case, the people who, are, who lived in Mitzrayim, they have a Minhag of eating chicken. We'll talk that, I mean, Let's talk about it now, yeah. Chicken is also included in the minhag of not eating meat. Even though the korbanot that were brought in the mizbeah, on the mizbeah, were only of animals and chicken, there was no korban of a chicken. No, no. There was never any time that a person brought a chicken as a korban. And kaparot is not a korban either, but still, the minhag is that we don't eat chicken. And it's just like we don't eat meat. However, the people who are Yotzei Mitzrayim, the people from the Egyptian Jews, do eat chicken in these days. They could eat chicken in these days, even the adults. Some even have a minhag that they even will drink wine. That means they're only mekabin. That's why we stressed in the beginning. It's only a custom. So don't throw stones at anybody. If you see them drinking wine and you know, he tells you it's my minhag. Don't they? Ah, of course, it's your minhag. It's trying to cover up. No, it's a real minhag. People have a minhag also of drinking wine. Now, according to almost all minhagim, 
fish, I say almost all, I don't know all the minhagim from what I've seen in the Sefarim, I've seen this, you know, fish, even though the, technically it's meat, but it doesn't need shahita. Fish is okay. However, grape juice, even though it's not really wine, and nobody brought grape juice on Mizbeh, but grape juice is part of the minhag not to drink wine if you have such a minhag. The, also, the minhag of not eating meat, the minhag has become that even food which was cooked with meat or cooked with chicken, even though you're not eating the piece of meat or you're not eating the piece of chicken, also be- has become that it's a sur to eat such a food. My general rule is the way I understand or the way I, I put it is like this. If you have to wait six hours on the food that you ate, then we don't eat it during the nine days. That means somebody cooked spaghetti with meatballs. Now he's not going to eat the meatballs. He just wants to eat the spaghetti. On a normal day, he would have to wait six hours in order to be able to eat dairy. Therefore, this is going to make him. Now, this is going to make this spaghetti now forbidden during the nine days. However, although although you cannot eat food that was cooked together with meat, is a hundred percent mutar and even lechatella to cook parv foods in meat dishes. That means you have a pot that you usually cook with it. The not the chalun, but you know, you cook the, the meat inside that. You have the meat pot, you have your meat pot that you usually cook with it meat all the time. As long as the pot is clean, you could cook par foods with it, and you do not have to wait six hours. The food is 100% parv. You could have your coffee with milk right after you eat that food. If you want to have it together with the food, that's already a different show of not but not. Lo hazman akshav. Okay, next, children. Technically, min had din. Again, we're not dealing with Deen, but technically from the Deen of the Minhag, children under the, the age of 12 years old, for the Sfaradim, that is, there's no, there's no problem for them to eat meat or chicken. A lot of questions, could kids eat? Certainly if they're under the age of 5 or 4, where they don't understand what's going on, you tell them, oh, but the Beit was destroyed. Huh? Does that mean we can't go on the trip on Sunday? No, <laughs> oh, forget it, right? So they don't understand, they could for sure eat meat, even according to the Ashkenazim. Even according to the Ashkenazim, a little bit more stringent. If children are able to understand about the Hurban, they're able to understand about the destruction of Vitamin Dash, then they won't give them meat. For the Sfaradim, a person could be lenient, and certainly everybody will agree. If a person is told by a doctor that you need to eat meat, for sure he could eat meat. But in that case, it would be preferable that they have chicken. Because, again, all these are different minhagim. The conclusion that we're giving you is based on many different opinions. This is the better way. If they can have chicken instead of meat, then, uh, and those who need to have it, then they can have it. But if a doctor tells you, you must eat meat. Okay, so you must eat meat, you go eat meat. Okay. Next. What about if a person wants to eat by a mitzvah? What does that mean? I mean, a, during the nine days, there's a mitzvah, there's a saudat mitzvah. What is a saudat mitzvah? Saudat mitzvah could be one of the following, and that is, it could either be a brit milah, or a pidyon habin, or it could be a person who's making a siyum. All of these things are considered a saudat mitzvah. Person is making a meal and all of these things. That's called the saudat mitzvah. So, could you eat meat? Could you make it out of meat? And the answer is like this: If it's a brit milah, that's the time. What are you going to do? If it's a brit milah, then you can have meat during the nine days. However, the Ashkenazim hold that if it's during the week of the Shabbat, that means if it's during Shabbat Shabbat, then only a minyan metum sam. The Ramah says only specifically ten men could have. Meat, you got to choose which 10 men. And if you can't figure out which 10, just make it dairy. By the way, it's cheaper anyway. In any case, so that's how it is. If it's a Saudat mitzvah, like a Brit or Pidyon, which is, this is the time and it has to be done during the, the Shabbat Shehalbo, then according to Ashkenazim, the Mahmir, only 10 people could have meat. Uh, the Sfaradim, they hold. If it's a mitzvah, like any mitzvah, as we'll learn soon, that that uh, when it's uh, when it involves a mitzvah, you can have it. What about a Siyum Masichet? Can I make a Siyum not Siyum? doesn't have to be during the nine days. I can make my sum anytime I want. So do I let's say I decide to make a sum during the nine days. Is it mutar for others? I understand if I made this sum or you know, I, I have to, me and my habruta, we we okay, we can make a sum. We can enjoy the meat. Could others also eat from the meat? And the answer is yes. However, however, in such a case, you have to there's a mahlok, there's you know, obviously, you know, there's ways of how to twist it and make sure that everybody can have meat. So therefore, says. You could plan to make the siyum during the nine days as long as you learn it consistently. 
That means you can't say, you can't finish a masikhet right before Shavuot. Say, you know what, let's hold off to the Siyum. I have some extra steaks that I want to finish. Let's keep it for Saudat Mitzvah during the nine days so I can have meat. Right? That you cannot do. Also, Achim B'Tzion says that regarding all Saudat Mitzvah, anybody who is a regular guest that normally would be invited, he's allowed to eat meat. But a person smells the delicious barbecue, says, what's going on over there? We're making Siyum. Oh, Siyum. Oh, you're making brit milah or pedion, you're making delicious meat. I'm going to go just so I can have the meat. I'll give my, you know, nice uh, gift of uh, 99 cents. To, you know, make it two fidget spinners even, make it 5.99, okay? And I'm going to go enjoy my meat. Nah, says Hakam you can't do that. You can't go and stick yourself in because you just, you know, in this, or that mitzvah, just to have meat. If you're a regular guest, you normally be invited, then it's fine. Now, another look, another difference we find by Ashkenazim Sfaradim when it comes to meat and wine is that when it comes to a mitzvah, drinking wine by a mitzvah, for example, Havdalah is the most common thing. Shabbat Shahalbo, we're going to do Havdalah, right? By the way, on Shabbat and Yom Tov, no, excuse me, <laughs> on Shabbat, there's no Yom Tov during the nine days, believe it or not. That's a good trick to ask people. No, which holiday falls out during the nine days? Which Yom Tov? Okay, anyway, <laughs> I'm kidding. So, Shabbat Shahalbo, let's do Shabbat Shahalbo. You're going to come out of Shabbat. Shabbat, you're allowed to eat meat, you're allowed to drink wine. After Shabbat, when you're making Havdalah, you're making it on wine or you're making it on grape juice, are you allowed to drink it or not? So Svaradim hold away, of course. It's a mitzvah, no problem. Not only that, according to the Svaradim, if you are a person who's usually makpid, who's careful, that when you make zimun with three people, you always do it on a course shalyayin or a cup of grape juice, then you're allowed to even drink the kos shel beracha by Amazon. If you're a person that's usually makpid, but if it's time you want to drink wine and therefore you're going to make it, you know, you mix it as, uh, what's it called? You make it zimun now on a cup of wine, so then no. But if you usually do it, yeah, you could do it. Ashkenazim, however, hold lechat if there's a child, give him to drink. That means we make Havdalah according to Ashkenazim, they'll give it on Shabbat Shahabo and that Havdalah and Shabbat Shahabo, they'll give it to a child to drink. If there's no child, then the adults could drink the cup of wine during Havdalah. Question. The question here is, what if a person uh, picks up food by mistake during the nine days, he makes a beracha, and right when he finishes the beracha, he remembers that's the nine days, and, oh, I can eat meat. He picks up a piece of meat or food that is meat that, you know, that's forbidden part of the menhag. And now he made the berakha already and now he remembers that he, you know, he's not allowed to have it. What should he do? Should you just say, Baruch Shem Kibbutz Chotol Alam Va'id, which is the, what we normally say when we say berakha lebatala, or should you have a bite and break the menhag? And the answer is, that being that I have a menhag, that I have two things that are going to be broken. Either the menhag of not eating meat is going to be broken, or the Isur of Brachal Batala, which according to some post scheme, it's considered Deoraita, is going to be broken. So obviously, the obvious answer is, don't do the Isur of Brachal Batala. You're going to have to break one, break the Minhag. Better that the Minhag of not eating meat and wine during these days breaks than for you to transgress the Isur of Brachal Batala or Brachal She'enat Serikha. Next. Leftovers from Shabbat. What can we do with leftovers of Shabbat? Like we said, Shabbat, you're allowed to have meat, you're allowed to drink wine. Now, you have some food leftovers. So, the based on the combination of the different poskim, Acham says, no problem, Shabbat, you can have it, no problem. However, Acham is not so easy to let it go. So therefore, we took Acham approach because if you can do it, you can do it. So, it goes like this. What's the problem? Oh, if you look at the poskim, they were worried when they were matir, for a person to have the leftover Shabbat food, Motzei Shabbat. This is, by the way, this doesn't mean you can take the cold cuts and you can make a sandwich. We don't want leftovers. That if you don't eat them, it's going to be wasted. It's going to be thrown in the garbage. So therefore, the question was, is it better that I throw my food in the garbage and waste food, uh, which could be batashheit, or can I eat the leftovers? That was the original question. So therefore, nowadays, put it in the freezer. It's not going to be wasted. It's going to be frozen. And even if the Shabbat would fall out during the, on the, by the end of the week, you could take it out. Hello, what do you think caterers do? They have the food cooked from the beginning of the year, from Mishanah, from Pesach to Pesach, they're cooking the food. I'm kidding. Don't get offended. But some of them do actually do that. They put the food in the freezer, you order or whatever it is, they have to have it ready. You know how many parties they're doing? So therefore, nothing happens to it. 
just warm it up, take it out, let it defrost, warm it up, put it back in the oven again. It'll be fine. You don't have to throw it out. So if your leftover food is something that could be saved, because you know that if I don't eat it on Motsay Shabbat, I'll be able to eat it later on. Mutar. If that's not an option, because, you know, let's be honest, a lot of times if we don't eat it on Motsay Shabbat, then we're just going to throw it out. Even if I put it in the freezer, it's just going to stay there till I, my wife yells at me and makes me throw it out. So in that case, then better if you could give it to children. Remember, children under the age of Bar Mitzvah, even according to Ashkenazim, it's better that they have it because it's a little bit more lenient. Certainly, if you could give it to children under the age of six, if that's also not an option, and he's a person that usually eats leftovers on Motzei Shabbat, then okay, that could have better. But otherwise, if all those options are not available, then you could have it. Then you could have the meat on Motzei Shabbat because that is better than you having to throw out the food. Another few points to keep in mind before we move on to the next thing that's asur during the nine days, and that is cooking with wine is forbidden as well. If human hag is not to drink wine, chicken powder for subhakam vadiya assume that he says, you know, those, they have some chicken powder, the real chicken powder, not the fake ones, just the chicken flavor. So if you need to make that out of soup, he's lenient to make it. I don't know if other people might be holic, but I saw that, that that's heter. Tasting food on Friday, lichvot shabbat is permitted, but that's only tasting. You can't come home and have a full plate and say you're tasting. Tasting to see if the food is good. There's a, there's an anyan to taste food, as we discussed in the Chota of uh, Shabbat, that there is a very hashubi thing to taste the food, not only to find out if it tastes good, but also just a little taste, because to'ameh ha'im zakhu. Also, wine is the only thing that's forbidden. Alcoholic drinks, beer and uh, whiskey and the like, Rashid Tawati Yaakov, which is... Uh, besides the Yud, which is Arak, uh, Kof is Cognac, Vav is Whiskey, and Bet is Beer. Okay, all these f- four things are not Asur, even though they're alcoholic. They were not Osir alcohol, they were Osir wine. Is it good to have? It's not good to have throughout your whole life, these kind of drinks. Only on putting drink a little bit, according to some opinions. But otherwise, it's not good to drink those things in general. So, of course, if you don't have to, you don't need to, don't drink it. Synthetic Meat, even though it tastes exactly like meat, but it's not really meat, it's made out of soy, it's also mutar. Restaurants and butchers that sell meat don't have to worry that I should take the meat off the shelves because some people have a hetet to eat meat, like we said, those who are sick or weak who need to have meat or children. They're allowed to, or people who want to, you know, save, uh, save it in the freezer or, or, or want to cook it for after the nine days. Therefore, they don't have to ask anybody who comes to their restaurants and have to worry. Maybe I'm him, I'm making him stumble. Especially some people have a different minagim, they don't have to worry about it. Let's go on to the next things are asur, preparing for weddings. Preparing for weddings during the nine days is also asur. What does that mean? That means anything that needs, you know, your participation in weddings. Choosing the flowers, choosing what kind of... Uh, uh, huppah to have or in bridal shower buying bridal shower gifts or jewelry the hatan buying jewelry to the kalan all these things or even the families buying the gifts for each other sending flowers to each other such and such a, you know what goes on in the preparation for weddings all that is within during the nine days however if you're the one who sells jewelry and the hatan walks in a, a, a Jewish person walks in and he's buying for his wedding you don't have to uh, stop him because they can have a heter there is a heter. They, yeah, some people have a heter of shopping for, uh, what's it called, or doing basically business of simha. Wedding preparations could sometimes be with a heter. When is that so? That's if it's not available after the nine days. That means if you wait till after nine days, it won't be available. What does it mean it won't be available? Well, it could be one of three things. Number one is, it won't be available at all because it'll be sold out. Number two is, it won't be available for this price. Number three is, it's available, and it's available for the same price, but it's so inconvenient to get it. You happen to be in Texas. What in the world are you doing in Texas? You're helping Trump build the wall. I don't know. You happen to be in Texas, and there you found a great, you know, something, regular normal price, but it's something that you need for the wedding or something you need for the engagement period. Now, if you're going to come back, you're, not, you're leaving the next day. 
If you're going to come back after nine days, you have to buy a whole ticket and to get there. It's not something you get online either. You can tell something, you find something rare, you can get it. Even though there's no sale, but it's not available later on. It's a big tirha to get it. It'll also be mutah. So therefore, if they walk into your store, they might have a hitir. They might not be able to do it since they can't do it after the wedding. They want to do it now. It would be mutar for you as a seller to sell uh, jewelry, even though you know the person is doing it for the sake of a simha. Question that's brought down a post scheme. If a person becomes a bar mitzvah boy, could you have a, the meal, the saudat bar mitzvah during uh, nine days? Is that considered like making a simha? Because really, even though we find that it is a mitzvah to make a saudat for a hatam bar mitzvah, but it can be pushed off. Like we see many people, they make the bar mitzvah celebrations much later on. Talking about here, just making saudat, of course, with no music and everything else. Is it mutar or not? So, Halichot Shlomor of Shalom Zaman Orbach and Nin of Shalom Zaman Orbach, they bring down that, yes, you can have the meal, even meat and wine, in honor of the bar mitzvah meal, if it's that day, it's a day of the bar mitzvah. It's considered also Sadat mitzvah. Now, according to the Ashkenazim, they can wear the parents and the grandparents who usually come dressed with Shabbat clothing could also come dressed with Shabbat clothing, but not the other relatives that usually, you know, just they're coming in just to say Mazatov. Also, the boy could receive bar mitzvah boy gifts at his, as is nahug, and it's not a problem. Next. Ashkenazim are mahmir that they will not make the Hanukkah bite meal, even though it's also Sadat Mizvah till after the nine days. Sfaradim are a little bit more lenient with this. And we move on now to the next thing, the third thing that's forbidden during the nine days, and that is Binyan Shesimha. What's Binyan Shesimha? Like it says, Mima'atin, the Gemara says, we said, What does it mean? It says in the Gemara, Binyan Shesimha. Binyan Shesimha, basically, the best way to translate it is, building or renovations that are purely for luxury. It's not a necessity. Those are forbidden during the nine days. Let's give you cases which are forbidden. Forbidden if a person is doing any sort of construction in his house for decoration, like painting, molding. You need a place to live? Okay, so live. But what, what's the paint now that you're changing it from cream to silver? How is that going to change your living accommodations? It's purely for luxury. So therefore, any sort of painting is forbidden during the nine days. You need something done, get it done fast before the nine days begin or wait till after the nine days. Molding is the same idea. However, there are exceptions. We're not at exceptions. The exceptions are really when it's not done for luxury. That's not really an exception, just a different case. If it's not done for luxury, for example, a person who bought a new house, he needs or he needs to buy a new house because it's a great we all know. If you don't get it, you know, you can lose the offer, you can get it. Also, if you need the space, if you're extending your house because you need the space, Mishpaha is growing and everybody's on top of each other and instead of hearing yelling every night, Baruch Hashem, you're able to get the permits now to extend your house. You're allowed to do this during the nine days. You're not doing for luxury. You're doing just to live, to have more room. Even though you have room, you could squeeze in, in you know, pile up three bunk beds on top of each other, but you don't have to. You're allowed to make it for space. Also, if you're a person who is an investor, you buy property, you flip it, also mutar. You're also allowed to buy and renovate and fix a house. Even though there you're doing painting and decorations, you're not doing it for luxury. It's a necessity. That's how business runs. You make it, you paint it beautifully, you bring the guy, you get the buyer, you make your business. That's fine. Also, buying houses in a case where it's a great catch, it's also mutar. Now, the exception, the real exception is when a person is building a shul. Building shuls, even though, um, or renovating shuls, since it's a mitzvah, it'd be mutar even to make luxurious and unnecessary decorations. What do you mean unnecessary decorations? No, it's always necessary. But that meaning is that you want to beautify. You're only doing for beauty. That's mutar. You're not extending the shul. Just repainting the shul. It's also mutar. Now, as a shul or as a rabbi of a shul, as a committee of the shul, if you have a crowd, if you have a kahal that you want to make sure you don't teach them the wrong things, and as a humrah, you want to not paint the shul during the nine days, it's highly recommended, 100%. I think very, very, I think not twice, seven times before we have to do some sort of work in the nine days, whether it's on the shul or my house. Even though I'm 100% mutakon to halakha, but being that people will look at me or look at the shul and say, hey, Oh, must be mutar, then I think much more. So, of course, there's definitely room to be mahmi, but if it, a shul has to build or has to paint during the nine days and they got a good deal because, you know, Tony is not working for any Jew right now. Everybody, he's off and he's ready to give you a great cheap price for the shul. So, certainly, you could do it for the shul.
question, what about demolishing a house or demolition inside the house? You need to knock down walls. We're not talking about building now, just knocking down walls. Could you do it during the nine days? Not building. And let's say, obviously, it's not because you need the space. You're just doing for decoration. So one who is somech on the matirim, you have a lot of matirim, you could definitely have what there is somech on. Again, it's preferable not to, though. The last category is that is forbidden during nine days. That is making or buying new clothing. Let's give you a little bit of a background. Beit HaMikdash had an area called Kodesh HaKodeshim. In Kodesh Kodeshim, in Beit HaMikdash HaRishon, we had over there the Aron. The Aron was situated on a stone. This stone was very, very special. This stone was called Eben Hashetia. Hazal tell us this is where the world was created from. Everything started from this from this stone over here. That's that that stone, that's why we place Aron Kodesh specifically on that stone. Now the word Shetia literally means something of that has to do with drinking, but the word Shetia also sounds like Sheti. Sheti is the threads of a garment, or really the threads of a garment placed in a specific direction. So therefore, there is a minhag since the Beit Hamikdash was destroyed and the Ibn Ashitiyah lost its significance. Therefore. There is an issue that's brought down, and that is not to make or buy new clothing. This issue applies even if a person is planning to wear it only after Tisha B'Av. It's still forbidden to buy new clothing, even if you plan to wear it after the nine days. Are there exceptions? Yes, there are exceptions to buying or making new clothing. That means even if you're the seamstress, seamstress. Also, it's forbidden for you to make clothing during the nine days. But there is an exception. In general, the exception is when there's a loss of money. Let's give you a few examples. For example, if you're a seamstress and you have no other income, this is literally, this is what you depend on. We're not talking about that extra cash. We're talking about that, no, you need to pay your rent and you need to pay for food and you need to pay for tuition or whatever it is. So this is what you depend on. Then you can do it, but not, not in Shavu Shahalmo. Also, if you're a person that has a factory and your factory makes clothing and you can't shut down the factory because the, the you have a union and you're paying them whether they work or not, so that's a loss. You have to pay all these workers without you without you getting anything out of it. You can let the factory run. Another exception to making clothing, if you're not doing it to make clothing, but you're doing it because you're learning, you're taking a course, it's also mutar. Also, if you've given it, or if it's been given to you before Rosh Chodesh Av and you need to work on it going into the nine days, you're allowed to work on it. But again, you must stop by Shavu Shahalpo. And anybody who is doing needlepoint for therapy, they need to relax. You know, some people learn Gemara to relax. Some people play piano to relax. And some people, you know, need to do needlework to relax. That's fine. Better than smoking, trust me. So those who need to do needlepoint for relaxing, it's also permitted. Now, when could a person, does a person have another hetet to buy? Do you have a hetet to buy new clothing? Right now you give us a heterim only for people who are working and making new clothing. What about the customers? And the answer is, like we find by other cases, if there's an unbelievable deal, you can't get it afterwards for the same price. I don't like this use the word sale, as we know. Sales are, you know, some people are, you know, some stores are created with the sign sale, everything going out of business. You have a sign that says grand opening, two weeks later, going out of business. The store has been there for 25 years, already they're celebrating their, you know, their 25 years of, but they still have the sign going out of sale business, going out of uh, business uh, sale. You know, not talking about those kinds, a real sale, a time when a person cannot get the same item for this great price, then it's fine. Also, it's mutar to buy something that you need right now. Your tzitzit ripped. You don't have another tzitzit. You're allowed buying new tzitzit. Your shoes are leather. You don't have non-leather shoes. You forgot to pack it with you when you went to the mountains. You're allowed to buy non-leather shoes for Tisha B'Av. Things like that. Also, minor alterations are also mutal. Like you, you want to put back a button, that's fine. A small little patch on the shoe, on the, on, the, on the clothing, that's also fine. Also, things that are needed for the sake of mitzvah. Also, mutal, you're allowed to buy tefillin. You're allowed to buy tzitzit. Talit, that is. You'll have to buy seferim. And certainly you can fix the corners of a tzitzit. Or, or you mean to say, the, you know, the, the tzitzit strings, if they ripped, you can de- definitely buy new string and make it. That's not a problem. As our hadoots, the Grot Moshe brings down that, you know, um, expensive commodities like uh, fridges, couches, cars, 
wash and dry. Things that are like very hashub that people buy that make them happy should not be purchased during the nine days. Now, this is only a sur when a person is buying it because, you know, the couch doesn't look as good anymore. Let's get a new couch. But if you don't have a couch, people are sitting on the floor. You need a couch to sit. That's fine. You need a bed to sleep on. That's fine. But if you want to just get a new look in the house, that's not. Also, cars. You know, one of those guys that has seven different cars. You, need to get, you want to get another car. During the nine days, if you don't need that car, no, you cannot buy it. Wait till after the nine days. Fridges. If your fridge is not working, you could buy a new fridge. You need a fridge. But if you want to get the new look because you just change everything to a silver look, you just change the um, dishwasher to a silver look instead of the white look. So, no, you, you can't buy a new fridge in that case because these are expensive commodities. That's what Moshe brings down. Another point in the nine days, we're going to go very, very quickly, and that is to avoid going to court against non-Jews. We have a bad mazal during the nine days. And uh, the bad mazal, some opinions say, goes all the way in the month of Av, goes all the way till Rosh Hodesh Elul. Some say it goes no, up to Tashabab. Some say only in the middle of the month. According to Ben Yishai, he says, up to Tashabab. After Tashabab already, the mazal of the Jews goes back up. In any case, whatever you want to be. But there is something, there's an anyan during the nine days. A person should for, uh, for sure avoid anything that is either dangerous or things that have to do with goyim, like going to court against non-Jews, um, you know, or, or basically anything where you are going versus a goy, your mezad is not good. If you want to win, you want to fight that parking ticket, try to move it to the time after the nine days, and preferably after the middle of the month, after Tubi'ab, that's the best time. Okay, now, the minhag of the Ashkenazim, that beginning Rosh Chodesh Av, this is now only for Ashkenazim, is that beginning Rosh Chodesh Av also, they don't take showers or bathing. That applies to hot water as well as cold water. But they will wash their hands, feet, and head with cold water. Also, if Rosh Chodesh Av falls out, happens to fall out on a Friday, they'll also take showers, Lichbot Shabbat Kodesh. Also, Migveh. For ladies, it's not a question. Of course, a lady could go to mikveh. That's a mikveh night. For men, for men, if you're a regular mikveh goer, you could go to the mikveh, but purely, but only to the mikveh, not the shower in the mikveh. If you have rules on the mikveh of who could come in or not, ask your rav. Also, the Ashkenazim are mahmir once Rosh Chodesh Av comes in. They're mahmir on laundry. Are there exceptions? Yes, we'll talk about the exceptions. Let's move on now to the next category. We have... Very little bit of time left. Let's squeeze in as much as we can. Shabuah Shahabu. The next category of halachot is Shabuah Shahabu. Shabuah Shahabu is the week of the Shabi'av. These halachot only affect the Sfaradim because there are three things that are basically added on during the week of Shabuah, of the week of the Shabi'av, that's Shabuah Shahabu, and they are laundry. Number two is haircuts and shaving. Number three is bathing and showering. These three things, Ashkenazim, already know Hig. Laundry and bathing already, they're from Rosh Hodesh Av already. They don't do laundry. Ashkenazim don't do laundry. They don't take showers. And haircuts and shaving, the minhag of the Ashkenazim is beginning from the three weeks, which is from Shabbat Sabbat Amuz already. They don't take haircuts and shave. So really, this only affects the Sfaradim, the Shabbat Shahalbo. Whatever was Asur before to the Ashkenazim, Asur also doing Shabbat Shahalbo. Therefore, we will only focus on the halakhot that are relevant to the Sfaradim uh, without saying which is, you know, mahmir, which is mahlokim min hagim. We're not going to go through that, especially that we don't have time. And one more point. Whenever Tisha falls out on Shabbat, which means it's going to be pushed to Sunday, or falls out actually on Sunday, Maran is posek that there is no dinim, there are no halakhot of That means these three things, laundry, haircuts, and showering will not apply during the years when when we're going to fast on Tishabiyav on a Sunday, let's now talk about what's forbidden. Number one is laundry. What is what does it mean that laundry is forbidden during the night during Shabbat Shalom? It means again for this Faradim, it means that you cannot do laundry even if you're planning to wear it after Tishabiyav. Not only are you not allowed to do laundry, you can't even wear freshly laundered garment during Shabbat Shalom. Even if the Shabbat will be during the end, at the end of the week on the Thursday, still asur. So what should you do? 
What am I supposed to wear? The same clothing? No. You could, quote unquote, prepare your clothing. What does it mean prepare your clothing? The idea is that you can't wear freshly laundered clothing. So take out the freshness from the clothing. How do you do that? Ben Yishar brings down, they should wear for an hour. Others say 15 minutes. Some say a half an hour. Hakam excuse me, says, even for a moment, you just put on a little bit and take it off. The idea is to take off the freshness or whatever it is, depending on the garment, depends on you. If you take out the freshness, it's good enough. Now, what if a person forgot to prepare his clothing? He comes to Bosha Habo and he, the rabbi gets up and says, Rabotai, you can't wear clothing that's freshly laundered. What should he do now? So, it depends. If you're, it's Shabbat already, so what you could do is like this. After every nap, because you can go to sleep, you can have to take off your clothing. So the Shabbat garments that you're wearing already, you can take them off and not wear them again. But this way you took out the freshness from those clothing. And now you can wear them after, after you know, during Shabbat Shahalbo. But if it's already during the weekday and you can't do this stick, so then what you could do is... Some opinions say that you could place it on the ground to take off its freshness. Does everybody agree on this? No. Hamid doesn't like this idea at all. But Hakam brings it down. So if you can be Mahmir, try to be Mahmir. If you can be Mahmir, especially that that uh, it's like a heat wave or it's very humid and Tashabi is at the end of the week. So then certainly, if you need to be Somech on Hakam take out its freshness by either putting it like under the mattress or, or, or putting it on the floor to take out that freshness, you could do that. By the way, just laying out your clothing on the floor doesn't take its freshness. The idea is scrubbing it and taking it, really taking away the freshness. Some quick pointers about the Isur of laundry during Shabbat Shahalbo. It's forbidden for a Jew to do laundry during this week. It's also forbidden to give it to Goyim to do laundry for you. That includes even dry cleaning. There's no water. It does make a difference. Dry cleaning is also part of the Isur. Spot cleaning. Some are matir, any spot cleaning. That means you have a little spot on your shirt and you just want to clean it. Hakamba says if it's really ugly, if it's not mechubedik, and of course depends on who you are. If you're some uh, you know teenager, nobody's looking at you, nobody's even realizing. So you know you don't have to worry about it. But if you're a rav or a person who is not a rav, but a chashuva person or a person that care, you know cares how he looks, and you have a spot on your and you have a, some stain, you could spot clean your clothing. Um, during the nine days when Ashkenazim do not do laundry, and the Sfaradim do before Shabbat Shahabo, and Ashkenazi cannot give his garments to Sfaradi to wash for him. You can't even give, give it to a goy. Kavahomer to a holy Sfaradi. Next, you could do laundry only for children that are very young, that are always dirty themselves. Six and under, or, or three, you know, the ones that are usually dirtying themselves. If you're going to a hotel, and the hotel is using sheets that are freshly laundered, you don't have to tell them to take it off. But it's better, brings. it's better that you put it on the floor just to take away its freshness. But if that's not possible, you can also use the fresh sheets that they have in the hotel room. Of course, hospitals, they have to change. They have to do laundry. They have to use new sheets. Even in Israel, even when everybody's Jewish, they have to do it. So with that, we'll go on now to the second thing that's forbidden during the nine days, and that is haircuts. Very simple. Haircuts and shaving is asur for the Ashkenazim from the beginning of the three weeks. During Shabbat Shahabot, it's asur also for Sfaradim. It's asur minhaddin. It's all asur that even a sandak, even an abihaben, or the, uh, what's it called? Any, uh, the abihaben, the sandak, or the mohel, even they are not allowed to shave or take haircuts during this week. That's across the board. What about cutting your nails? So, Technically, cutting the nails is mutar. But uh, some say that as long as the nail doesn't go above the skin, that means it's not so long that, that when you look at your fingers, the back of your, or the front of your hand, you don't see the nail sticking out. Some are mahmir like the Ben Yishai and Ben Zion, they say better not to cut your nails if it could wait. But if once it goes above, oh, you gotta cut it, so you cut it right away. Brushing your hair, there's a mahluk in the post scheme. Ben Ishai goes with poskim that mahmir not to brush your hair during Shabbat Shabbat brings down from many Ahronim that you could brush your hair during Shabbat Shabbat and finally we move on to the final category in Shabbat Shabbat what is Asur during Shabbat Shabbat bathing and showering this is a very important thing 
No showering with hot water whatsoever. That is a surah according to everybody. Nobody's going to be matir showering with hot water. Are there exceptions when it's a mahala, a person's sick? Yes. For example, if a person has hemorrhoids and he needs to sit in hot water to take away the pain, that's mutar. He's not doing for enjoyment. He's doing for medical purpose. That's the same thing for a lady who's pregnant and she needs to sit in hot water because whatever it is for her condition, it's mutar. Or a person who's holy, it's mutar. Children, babies, infants we're talking about. Two years old or little kids even that need to shower with hot water, it's mutar. Even if the parents are going to have to touch the hot or lukewarm water, it's mutar. Now, what about cold showers? So Ashkenazim and Mahmir, they don't take showers beginning to shower, even cold showers like we mentioned. The Hakam Betzion forbids it for Sfaradim doing shahabo. He says, karim. However, Maria says, no, no problem. You're allowed to take a cold shower. He even permits go free to go into a pool. You know, you're allowed to go into a pool on uh, on Shahalbo. Uh, it's cold water. But again, those who want to be mahmir could be mahmir. When it's very hot and a person smells, then even doing Shahalbo, we find a lot of Ashkenazim permitting it. Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky in Emetle Yaakov, Rav Henkin talks about Erev in during the nine days. On uh, if it's very hot, you can take showers, especially on Arab uh, Shabbat Hazon. In the, the, in the letter from Sharim Hemetsoyanim Bahalacha, from the author of, of Sharim Hemetsoyanim Bahalacha, he's Matir Shevet Levi says when it's very hot also, Ashkenazim could take cold showers. And Rabbi Shomel Zaman Orbach also is Matir Ashkenazim to take cold showers during the nine days. When? When it's very, very hot. Why? Taking showers for pleasure is a Watsasur. But if you're taking it to remove a smell, or you can't live with yourself, then that's going to be mutar. You're not doing it for pleasure. And in our days, most of us, most of us, not all of us, but most of us are careful to take showers every day. And when we don't take showers, you feel very icky, especially when it's a heat wave. Ooh. And especially if you did some work outside, you're not taking the shower for pleasure. Talking about, of course, cold shower. You're not taking the cold shower place. You're taking it because just to remove, you know, the the the, the sweat. Especially if you, if a person has a smell, you could even use uh, soaps and shampoos to get rid of the smell. That is mutar. Remember, it's asur only for pleasure, not when it's done for just take away a bad smell. Okay, Baruch Hashem, we did it. We covered Baruch Hashem the halachot of. The nine days as well as Shabbat Shehalbo. I could be missing some information or a lot of information, so therefore I'm going to give you the numbers to the station 718 683 5858. 718 683 5858. Call right now. You have one minute to get on the air, and after that, we'll take your questions off the air. And if you want to text us, 347 927 8398, you can text us right now. And if you can't catch us over here, you could always email us at halakha hour at gmail.com halakhaawajimah.com Bezat Hashem will try to answer you as fast as we can that's not a promise but it's uh, an attempt Bezat Hashem will try to answer you we're going to sign off meanwhile we want to thank everybody that's involved over here Rav Nisim and again please 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 Rabotai J Root Radio needs our support including the speaker as well and therefore and the listeners Bezat Hashem we have tried to contribute to J Root Radio try to help them keep them up and therefore Text in your information, just your phone number, we'll get back to you, 347-927-8398. And we want to thank Rav Nisim, and Aaron Jacob, and Aryeh Binyanimov for helping us for this shiur and uh, broadcasting and, and everything else. This class will be aired on again tonight at 10 o'clock on the J Radio Pro app and jradio.com. We'll see you next week with the halakhot of... Arif Tashabiav as well as Tashabiav and Asadabiav. Thank you for listening. Until next week, have a wonderful week and Shabbat Shalom.